The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Judeans who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus began to weep. So the Judeans said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When Jesus had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out with his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. As a pediatric chaplain... And as a pastor, too, I end up talking to people about some pretty heavy stuff sometimes. Now, occasionally, there are tears. Tears that are usually followed by the inevitable words, I'm sorry for being so emotional. I'm sorry for crying. Now, statements like these break my heart because they imply that tears are inappropriate or embarrassing or unwarranted. But nothing could be further from the truth. I think, because crying, you see, is actually good for you. At the hospital, I'm usually quick to say, it's okay to cry. Your child is sick and in the hospital. Or crying makes sense because there's so much anxiety right now as you wait for test results and a diagnosis. Or sometimes when I have to say, it's completely understandable that you're crying because you're grieving. Let the tears flow. They are a sign of your great love. And then in my role as a pastor, I often sit with people who are crying because of a broken relationship, a pregnancy loss, the death of a loved one, or any varied number of reasons why the tears flow and the grief is palpable. Now, earlier this week at a text study, a colleague told me, I love to cry. I wish I could do it every day. I think I gasped. (laughs) Because I actually have the opposite reaction. Even though I'm able to assure others that their tears are holy and valued, I remembered that I had sat in my therapist's office just last week, avoiding my own tears like the plague, because the pain was too deep and I didn't want to share any visible sign with the person that I'm actually paying 
to receive and hold those tears. But here's the thing. Tears, emotional crying, is actually good for us. After a good cry, most people feel calmer and more resilient. In the 1970s, Dr. William Frey, a professor at the University of Minnesota, analyzed the makeup of reflexive tears, the kind that you get when you're chopping onions, and emotional tears, the kind you get when you're watching a sad movie or grieving a loss. Emotional tears help the body to recover from stressful events. Those tears release a hormone called cortisol, which rids the body of stress hormones. Emotional tears can protect us from getting sick, and they can also help us reduce pain and re improve our mood. So I say, cry abundantly. It's good for you. Tears are a gift of the body and the soul. Now, the early Christian desert fathers and mothers had the highest regard for what they called the gift of tears, a sacrament of love drawing out our deep connections with suffering, pain, and isolation, and sometimes connecting us to a joy and celebration as well. Now, all three of our scripture passages for today speak of the loss of loved ones and the tears that flow from all the grief and suffering and injustice in the world. The texts assure us of a day when tears will be no more because God has wiped them away and ended the power of death and evil forever. And yet, that time has not yet come, and our tears still abound. Mind flowing freely this morning during that first hymn that we sang. On All Saints Sunday, we remember loved ones who have died. Now, some of you here today have hearts that are heavy because of the recent death of someone dear. Many of us have our own beloved dead to remember this day. People we'd rather have sitting right next to us, not as some photo on a table in the back of the church. We know too well the acute grief of Mary and Martha and Jesus, who are standing at a closed tomb, weeping. And weeping is more than just a few tears trickling down your cheek. Weeping includes wailing and lamentation as an expression of deep mourning. Mary weeps at the feet of Jesus, claiming, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the others with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And then Jesus began to weep. Jesus wept, the shortest and most memorable verse in the whole Bible. Jesus weeps right alongside Mary and Martha and all those who are gathered together to mourn Lazarus' death. And even though Jesus knew that he was going to resurrect Jesus, Lazarus and that Lazarus would be full of life again soon, Jesus was still moved to tears, wailing in a full-out ugly cry because of his deep love and compassion for his friends. Jesus weeps in an act of solidarity with those who weep and reveals a God who enters the fragility and suffering of our human life. Jesus weeps with those who are weeping. You and I are not alone in the midst of our hurt and tragedy and brokenness. 
And it's understandable that we cry out too with Mary, Lord, if you had been here, if you'd been here, my partner, my child, my parent would not have died. If you had been here, I wouldn't be grieving the death of my marriage or the betrayal of a friend or the failure at work or the loneliness and pain of longing for something more from life. But God is here, weeping right alongside all of us. God weeps with us and wipes away our tears too, not in a hush now, stop your crying kind of way, but God gently pulls us in, wipes away our tears as a parent lovingly embraces a child and absorbs the child's tears into their own tear-soaked chest. And when God weeps, watch out. New life is on the horizon. When God weeps, it is the beginning of the death of death. Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Unbind him from death. Unbind him from suffering. Unbind him from fear and isolation. And let him go to be free to live a resurrection life full of abundance and hope. New life is on the horizon. The resurrection promises are true. From all that binds you and holds you in the grip of death, Jesus calls you out to new and abundant life in him. Are you bound with the grip of self-hatred and low self-esteem, drug or alcohol addiction, or feelings of being unloved or unworthy? Jesus calls you out from the darkness of those tombs to new life. And as we recognize and stand against systems and structures of oppression or suffer from illness and disease, Jesus weeps with us. And when Jesus weeps, Watch out. New life is on the horizon. So what, what can we do but give thanks for the one who weeps with us and calls us to new life? We gather at this table today to share a feast with all the saints, living and dead, who have wept with God and trusted that new life was on the horizon. May our tears not be wiped away too quickly, and may they be appreciated as holy signs of God's love for us and for all of creation. Amen.